Luke chapter 1. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all these things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most ex excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainly concerning the things that have been taught. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughter of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statues of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in eight years. Now while he was serving as a priest before God, when his div division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John." And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah, and turn the hearts of, of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of of the just and make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the days that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my re reproach among the people. Thanks very much for that. Uh, let's bow, let's pray. Father, our desire is to know you better. Help us in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, there's a picture up here. Uh, yep, there you are. Uh, I, I know it's not quite big enough. It, it's an amazing picture. It, it's about the world being turned upside down. Uh, it's not a new idea. Uh, one of the first records of the use of that idea is this picture, and it's from 1646. 
Okay, 400 years ago, you can do the maths, I know. The world turned upside down uh, is a 1646 English ballad. It was a protest song. The then English Parliament believed that Christmas should be a solemn occasion and outlawed traditional English Christmas celebrations. The ballad lays out the case as to why the new anti-rejoice laws were wrong. And the lyrics of the song go a bit like this. Listen to me and you shall hear news hath not this um, news hath not been this thousand year since Herod Caesar and many more you never heard the like before holy days are despised new fashions are devised old Christmas is kicked out of town yet let's be content and the times lament you see the world turned upside down. And the second stanza actually gives the defence for celebration. The wise man did rejoice to see our Saviour Christ's nativity. The angels did good tidings bring. The shepherds did rejoice and sing. Let all honest men take example by them why should we from good laws be bound? Yet let's be content, and the times lament, you see the world turned upside down. And so, yes, Christmas has always been controversial. It's really the coming of Jesus which has been controversial. The message that God would become a man and live with us and then as a man die for us has always been scandalous. It's a message which does turn the world upside down. And not just the world, lives, individual lives are turned around by Jesus. Even before the first Christmas actually happened, the message of the coming of God changed lives, reversed the direction of lives. And Luke saw this. Luke saw and recorded the joyful reversal the Christmas message brought to lives. The first thing Luke does is he says, hey, you know, this is real. This is true. The turning of the world upside down, it actually happened. And it's good. And it all starts with the birth of two men. Two men who would change Israel forever. And I wonder if you noticed, as you've read Luke before, that Luke's gospel, it isn't a beginner's gospel. It's not a beginner's book. It's a book of corrections. Uh, open your Bibles, have a look, Luke chapter 1, follow along, right from the, verse, the first verse. See, many others have written about Jesus, he says, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. And then verse 2, just as they were from, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, 
have delivered them to us. Uh, These eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, they saw and touched Jesus for themselves. They heard Jesus and followed Jesus on the dusty roads. They were there with him, saw his life, saw his death, saw his resurrection. And they passed all of it on to the followers of Jesus, including Luke. One of those followers was a guy called Theophilus. And Luke wants to help this guy in his Christian walk. You could really say that Luke's reading the gospel with this guy. Well, Luke is writing it out for him. I mean, that's a good thing to do, isn't it? Read the scriptures with somebody to help them. Well, this is what Luke is doing. And so, verse 3, Luke does some investigation and he sets the facts out in order. It seemed good to me also having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Uh, Theophilus is Greek. This orderly account of Jesus' life is written for people like you and me who know something about Jesus, but maybe are uncertain about some of the facts And the bit about eyewitnesses was really important to Greeks. Part of a Greek historian's method was to interview eyewitnesses. See, Luke's account isn't some made-up story. Uh, Spiders, dinosaurs, penguins, they seem to be part of the Christmas lights these days. Uh, I haven't worked out how dinosaurs fit in with penguins who don't live at the North Pole where Santa lives. But perhaps I shouldn't let facts get in the way of a good story. Except Luke wants you to know the facts, even when they seem impossible. And notice Luke isn't just writing an orderly account. Luke's writing with the purpose you see there in verse 4, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. Uh, Look, there may be nothing new here for you, but you might hear it in a new way. It, It may be you've heard it all before, but you need to hear it again in a way that actually counts and changes your life. Because this story is about reversing what is broken. It's about changing the direction of the kingdom of God. We're used to hearing the early chapters of Luke as part of the Christmas story, but we need to see these early chapters as God's preparing to reverse the lives of all people. It's by turning people around that God rebuilds them. The Christmas story has as its background a nation in a mess. And look, I'm going to say, if your life is in a mess, then this story is for you as well. The Christmas story has as its background ordinary people struggling with the troubles of life. If you're an ordinary person struggling with life's troubles, then this story is for you. The Lord reverses mess into goodness into this story troubles into peace. 
It's a story that starts proper in verse 5. Have a look. With a couple living in the days of Herod, king of Judea, a couple who probably lived in disgrace. Yes, sure, he was a priest, a priest named Zachariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife was Elizabeth. She was a daughter of Aaron. They were really godly people, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they suffered. According to verse 7, they were childless, but they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Being childless was a sign of God's curse on a family, And since they were getting on, there wasn't any chance the situation would change. A bit like Abraham and Sarah. A a bit like Elkanah and Hannah in 1 Samuel. But the Lord's going to reverse the childlessness into pregnancy. First, though, Zachariah and Elizabeth there would have been that endless scandal. Remember, they're cursed. I mean, that whispered question, how could he be allowed to serve in the temple? They're cursed, you know. Amazing. While Zechariah was performing his priestly duty, burning incense, that God chose that time to fulfill his great promises. And it turned Zachariah's life upside down. In fact, this day would have been the highlight of his career because of the 18,000 men in, uh, in Israel's priestly tribe. Today is the day when Zechariah has been chosen by Lot as the one to go into the temple and burn incense. You know, in the Presbyterian Church, you might get to be elected state moderator for a year. Uh, for, For Israel's priesthood, you get to be the guy up front for one day in a lifetime. It's the day he's been training for all his life. He's probably trembling with excitement. The assembled worshippers are crowded outside. And note what those worshippers are doing outside at the end of verse 10 and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense Zechariah goes into where only a priest can go not all the way into the holy of holies that was for the high priest but when Zechariah steps inside he's face to face with an angel which is quite scary Now look, I don't know what the people outside were praying for. The end of a drought, safety for the family, good marks at school, the Messiah to come. But I'm saying this angel's message is the answer, yes, to Zachariah and Elizabeth's prayer and is also God's answer to the prayers of the people outside. It brings a massive reversal to everyone's situation. This is not an ordinary day. Now, I'm not sure an angel saying, don't be afraid, 
ever really helps. But the next bit might. The angel says, Zachariah, you and your ageing wife Elizabeth are going to have a son who'll be called John. Their prayers have been answered with a yes. You're going to have joy and gladness, we're told. And many others will find joy in, and gladness in his birth as well. Verse 14. That baby that we know is John the Baptizer in verses 16 and 17 uh, reminds us of the promises in Malachi. But if you're looking at verse 15 there, it reminds us of another baby, doesn't it? Samuel, back in 1 Samuel. Anyway, we're at Malachi now, verses 15 and 16. When the Lord comes, we're told, I'll send a messenger before him, a new Elijah, that's what Malachi says, Malachi chapter 4, to prepare the way. And John's going to bring about the fulfilment of God's promises to his people. After John's prepared the way, the Lord, that's God, is going to come to his people himself. And the way John's going to prepare the way for the Lord is by bringing them back to God. John's going to reverse the lives of the people of Israel. Uh, listen to the angel's words in verse 16. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will turn. The angel says to John's dad, Zechariah, this boy of yours is going to be incredibly special because he'll turn Israel back to believing in their Lord. He'll make preparations for the turning of the world upside down. Uh, the Christmas story, it's about turning people back to God in faith and repentance. Uh, and not just Israelites either. Remember, Luke's writing to Theophilus. He's a Greek. It may be that as you're listening this morning, you're a long-time half-hearted Christian who knows in your heart that you need some bringing back as well. You need to reverse your direction too. And now John will be a priest like his father. All priests are supposed to turn people back to God and so Zechariah will actually have a turn back to God message to tell also. But John's got more to do. Follow the angel's words. Verse 17. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Yep. The one Malachi was talking about. That final call to Israel, that messenger is your son, the one who will come and turn the hearts of Israel. You'll be his dad and after John will come the Lord God himself. And again, the angel stresses how John will make a people ready for the Lord. In the past, Israel's fathers had turned away from the Lord 
and they taught their children to turn away from God as well. Now John will reverse all of that. John will turn Israel's fathers back to God and those fathers would turn their children back to God as well. Excuse me. The disobedient will be turned to the way of righteousness, a reversal. I mean, that's God's plan, to turn the world upside down, to change hearts, to reverse the direction. To which Zachariah says, verse 18, Oh, come on, how do I know you're not pulling my leg? How shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And because of his incredibly unbelieving response to this good news from an angel is promptly struck dumb until baby John is born which I suspect is a lesson for those who say you know if God wants me to change he should do something spectacular to get my attention I mean even if an angel taps you on the shoulder is it really going to make any difference? Would you turn to God then? Well, after this long talk, Zechariah heads out to the people. And according to Luke's investigation, verse 22, and when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And then verse 23, and when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden. Elizabeth knew she was pregnant and decided she wasn't going to face the ridicule any longer. I mean, who'd believe it? She'd stay in until her pregnancy was visible to all. And then all would know that God had blessed them. Luke's account finishes here with Elizabeth happy because her disgrace was taken away. Verse 25. Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Luke's Gospel, it doesn't contain clever stories. Uh, there's no fantasy fairy tale here in Luke's Gospel. Uh, this is real history, searched out, written down, so that you may be certain of the facts. The story of Christmas is real, and it is for adults as much as it is for children. The story of Christmas is about God turning the world upside down, about reversing the direction of the lives of ordinary people. That's what John was to do, to bring people back to God. That's how real peace is restored. John's coming was promised by God back in Malachi. You can read it in chapter 3 and chapter 4 of Malachi. Uh, John is a modern Elijah. We're told that. It's in verse 17 
here in Luke 1. God's keeping His promises. And keeping those promises gave joy to Zachariah and Elizabeth. Christmas is a message that should bring joy to ordinary people who turn back to God, whose lives are turned around, whose lives are really reversed. But there's also a challenge here for Zechariah. He was given a turn-back story of his own. And in Christmas, we, we too have been given a turn-back story to pass on to other ordinary people so that their lives can be reversed, especially at Christmas time. And if you're a person who suffers from being looked at sideways, then remember God keeps his promise to send the one who would go before the Lord as our saviour. Jesus did come. In the hardships of life, you can rejoice in God's salvation. That's your reversal. If Jesus is your saviour, then be joyful, even in the pain of life. But finally, I don't know really where you are with God, but I do know that God can be your saviour. Don't just go through the motions of going to church a couple of times over Christmas because, well, it's the right thing to do. God's in the business of changing lives. He wants to rebuild lives. He's rebuilding his kingdom and he does so by changing hearts, by reversing the direction of hearts. Jesus did call people home to God. And today, Jesus calls you, come home. Will you? Will you finally be humble and repent and turn to God? Will you let your heart's direction be reversed? Let me pray. Father, uh, thank you for keeping your promises, for doing it really not in make-believe. Thank you for all that you have done for us, for it truly does bring us joy. In Jesus' name, amen.